Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V and CJ. We're back, and we have Harley Schlanger with us, a man who needs no introduction, because if you don't know who he is by now, you've been living under a rock, and you're not aware of the geostrategic, geopolitical, geoeconomic news that Harley brings to us every single Friday at noon and hanging with Harley. You can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, TheLaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the theschillerinstitute.com, as well, schillerinstitute.com. And with that being said, Harley, we're glad you're back. Hope you're rested and you're energized and you're ready to let loose on us, brother. Well, I'm ready to let loose. But as I told CJ, traveling with three young kids on a vacation Oy. is the cause for a new vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you need a vacation from your vacation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and nothing's better than a vacation from your vacation than getting back to work, getting into the swing of things and shaking off that ring rust that vacation gives you, you know? Well, we, we got in Sunday night and the kids were in school Monday morning. Oh, so. thank God for school. <laughs> yeah, well, thank God for school, at least for now. Who knows yeah. how long it's going to last. Yeah, exactly. Until uh, Moti Merkel decides to go for another lockdown or God knows what. Follow the Macron model, which is so successful in Paris and France, you know? Well, I think we can say that virtually everyone has been unsuccessful in dealing with this thing. But, you know, the, the problem is that no one will acknowledge that the lack of success is based on the lack of preparation. We've yeah. torn down advanced public health systems. Yep. We've torn down the science and technology that was behind the that actually was developed by NASA uh, yeah. in the 60s. We have not upgraded our medical system in the United States since the early 70s. And in, in Europe, in some cases, it's better, in some cases, worse. But you know, the idea that, that you can get things for free, that you don't have to invest in, in new technologies and science, that's the idiocy that we're seeing, whether it's the Green New Deal, whether it's uh, infrastructure, whether it's medical care. Uh, we've we've got this just-in-time economic policy, which means it's just in time for the swindlers to loot you. And oh, yeah. beyond that, there's nothing that's in time. I, 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 the only thing that's in time is the eminent breakdown of our system that is in the West. That's the only thing that's going to be on time the way things are going, Harley. Well, and that, and you can count on the growing debt bubble uh, because – Powell is stuck in a situation, the Federal Reserve Chairman is stuck, where if he stops the quantitative easing, you trigger a round of speculative defaults. And how do you stop that once it starts? That's what they're afraid of. You know, we, we have people who have been talking to some of the people on Capitol Hill who are watching these things, and most of them don't know their, their ass from their elbow. But one thing they're all saying now 
is that the reason we're stuck in this quantitative easing mode is that if you move away from it, the whole system goes down. So they don't know what to do except make it worse. So it's one of these, it reminds me, V, since we're coming up on August 15th, I thought I'd share this with you. Uh, something LaRouche said about what Nixon and, and uh, Volcker and Schultz did when they took the dollar off gold in 1971, 50 years ago on Sunday. What they said is that we had to do this to protect the dollar because the dollar was under speculative assault. Now, how does it protect the dollar to create the dollar as a speculative currency? That's what they did. And in order to save the dollar, they destroyed it. Now, the dollar remained relatively strong because we looted the rest of the world. But now there's no place to get loot anymore, except from the American people. And we're seeing that with people about to lose their savings, their pension funds because of the hyperinflation. So this is one of these ironic situations where something that was done to save a system actually destroyed it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, it, it's uh, it's terrible to see this because it, this is a, a synonymous thing that is repeating all the time in the last uh, oh, 100 years or so of Western history in for us Westerners. Something that is always done for our safety, for our protection, becomes the very thing that undermines and destroys us, Harley. Well, same thing with the war on terrorism. You know, what, what we do with the so-called war on terrorism is create new terrorists. Uh, and, and more countries that collapse under the threat of terrorism. So, you know, what, what did we gain? The idea that you become more secure by going into wars in these poor countries uh, and build up a, a defense a behemoth that's not only being used around the world, but is now being deployed against the United States. You look at the discussion going on in the Congress on the January 6th event. And wherever you come down on that, whether it was an insurrection, whether it was Trump who did it or what, whatever your view is, or whether it was provocateurs from the FBI, look at the congressional hearings. What are they basically saying? Anyone who demonstrated was a terrorist. Yep. And so we're seeing a, an, uh, basically a beefing up of the security state, when in fact, if you really look at this, you find that many of the people who did the damage that was the threat to the security of people in the, the Capitol building were provocateurs. And many of those people were never identified by the FBI. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's exactly right. It, it's similar to the, the Gretton Whit Whitmer drama where the 13 yes. individuals were there to kidnap her and 12 out of the 13 are all FBI agents. One of them was uh, just got freshly out of a swingers party and was on his way there after beating his wife up with his fist and he's on this way to go kidnap the governor to stage a kidnapping of the governor as a false flag just so they can ratchet down on real patriots. You got to love the FBI. They're great at doing this. I don't know how any one of these guys could look themselves in the mirror, go to work, even look at the American flag or put their hand on a Bible or swear even an oath. I don't know how these guys even sleep at night, but they are criminal psychopaths who need to be locked away. But if you're a criminal psychopath, hey, the U.S. government has a place for you, Harley. Well, look at James Comey as an example of that. Here's a guy who, when he was FBI director, was supposedly looking into drug money laundering and how the cartels were threatening the security of the United States. And for some reason, he never really found criminal action. There were a couple of uh, 
people in various other agencies like the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency who identified the Bank of Hong Kong, Shanghai, the Hong Shang, as a drug money launderer. Comey didn't see it. Comey said he had no evidence of that. And as soon as he leaves the FBI, what does he do? He goes to work for Hong Shang Bank, goes to their board. So, you know, these, this, this uh, criminal cabal at the top uh, is that they're corrupt, they're immoral, but they're also stupid. And they depend on the brainwashing of the population so that people either can't figure out who's doing what to them or don't think there's anything you can do about it. And that's the dilemma we find ourselves in. This is a moment, by the way, which is pregnant with possibilities for destroying the deep state. We had all the evidence that came out during the Trump years, most of which has gone back into hiding. Where are these documents? Where is the Durham report? Where are the... the, the Harley, the Durham report is coming. You have to be patient. I'm, I'm hearing right now, my sources are telling me by 2050, the he, Durham, uh, they're going to resuscitate him so they can, you know, they're going to take him out of cryogenic deep freeze so he can deliver his report to us. And then by 2050, we will all know. We'll all know. We'll all be dead, but we'll all know by then. Well, <laughs> it'd be nice if it happens, but you, know, you, you have this you know, people who are, it, it, it reminds me of a messianic cult, people waiting for the Messiah to come. The, you don't, you don't you, believe in Rabbi Trumpovitz? Are you, are you, <laughs> are you, are you you're kidding me, Holly? You don't believe in Rabbi Trumpovitz? You got to be joking. Well, I, I have to say my family were not messianic Jews. And my mother always said, if you want justice, you'd better be prepared to fight for it. <laughs> you know, I call the, the Messianic Jews, I call them messy antics Jews. I'm going to just, just leave the real Jews alone, please. We don't need the messy antic Jews going around here. <laughs> messy antics. Well, what, what you find is under the beards, it says made in London. Made in London. <laughs> Actually, that's a joke in Tehran from years ago when, when Khomeini came in. Yeah. The uh, leaders of the Iranian military, which had been anti-Khomeini, who were told to stand down when Khomeini flew in, they were told to stand down by Alexander Haig, who was a former NATO commander and a top yep. official uh, in the administration. Uh, the Iranian general said, under the beard of Khomeini, it says, made in London. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's we're, we're looking at a situation where these guys are highly exposed. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at the back and forth on Afghanistan. Now, it's not a big secret that once the with the U.S. military and NATO military withdrew, Taliban would go on an offensive. It's not a big secret that the Afghan government uh, is still not strong enough and has too much corruption and uh, would not be able to stand up to an offensive. Now, the hope was that at a certain point they'd reach a ceasefire and then you could come in with some kind of development project to give people something to do there. Now, the problem is you know, now you have the situation where people are saying, oh, look at Biden. Biden created a problem by pulling out. Now, the problem was that we were in there for 20 years and 20 years before that, we were in there with the war against the Soviets. So we have 30 of the last 40 years, we've had the U.S. involved 
in on different sides of the warlords, the Taliban, the Afghan government. Of course, it's a mess. Yeah. And you know, now you look at a situation where you're saying, what's wrong with these people? Why can't they stand up? Why are they demoralized? Well, you're fighting against a, a bunch of messianic lunatics who are yep. willing to, to die. Uh, we are waiting for the 13th imam to show up. Yeah. <laughs> or the 70 virgins. The 72 virgins. <laughs> well, I never quite got that one because I never thought of, of virgins as particularly rewarding. But in any case, you know, you, you've got this messianism that you're dealing with, the same kind of problem. And the solution to that is you upgrade the population with science, with technology, with culture. Some of that is going on, but it's overwhelmed by the narrative that there's nothing you can do there. Yeah. So you've got the, the Chinese talking about uh, using Afghanistan as a logistical center uh, for connecting the Belt and Road with the Middle East. Well, that could work. And in fact, the Taliban would be interested in that, but they're not going to do it if they're still in a war with the government. Now, what's the biggest threat from the Taliban? Do we really think that if the Taliban takes over Afghanistan, that they're going to come and, and launch attacks against the United States? I don't think so. I, I think the only way they would do that is if we stay there and fight them. So it's not a question of defending Taliban. It's a question of looking at a part of the world that's been revved up for confrontation for 200 years. Right. This goes back to the British operations in the 1830s and 40s. So until you end the colonial approach to this, these parts of the world, there's no solution. And how do you put an end to colonialism? The most successful post-colonial countries are those that were able to develop their own internal economies. Unfortunately, the International Monetary Fund would never allow that. So the solution is not military. There's no military solution to Afghanistan. The solution is to figure out a way to get neighbors cooperating to help develop a country. And I don't mean just giving them all kinds of aid. Uh, work on, a, on projects that will provide jobs, uh, communication with the rest of the world, you know, opening up to the rest of the world. If the Taliban doesn't want to do that, eventually the Afghan people will find a government that wants to do that. But the idea that Biden made a big mistake uh, I think that's laughable. I, you know, I, I have very little respect for Biden, but I think this is one area where he was right to, to let's take our losses, get the hell out of there and see if they can solve it. Yep. Absolutely right. Yeah. We have a gentleman in the uh, live chat saying there's absolutely no reference to 70 virgins in the Islamic scriptures. You're absolutely right. That is a Wahhabi created uh, thing. And the Wahhabis created that they're uh, uh, a British Intel formed organization when they created Saudi Arabia. But uh, go ahead, Harley. No, that's important because so much of what we think about Islam and jihad is from British narratives. Yep. The key guy on that is a guy named Bernard Lewis, who yep. essentially developed the, the so-called intellectual background for Zbigniew Brzezinski's arc of crisis theory. Mm -hmm. And Lewis is a classic British geopolitician who ended up, as many of them do, teaching at Princeton University. I mean, he was his framework was instrumental, and the and the rudiments of his thought helped create the uh, the Muslim Brotherhood under um, the Egyptian president uh, Nasser, I believe it was. 
Well, I, I wouldn't oh, no, blame no, Nasser no, for the no, not Nasser. Not, not, I'm sorry. They were trying to take out Nasser. They, they were creating yeah, Has, the uh, yeah, Hassan, exactly. Al, Hassan Albano was the guy who was bingo. Uh, yeah, yep, and he had a lot of British support because why? The Brits basically foreclosed on the Suez Canal because the French couldn't pay the debt, and the Brits saw Egypt as an entry point to the Horn of Africa, the Indian Ocean, one of their geopolitical choke points. Uh, Aden in uh, Yemen was another one. You know, the, the idea that, that they could continue to control global sea transport through these uh, connections. Yeah. And when Nasser came in and nationalized the Suez Canal, the Brits went crazy. They tried to organize an invasion. They actually did organize an invasion. They got the French to go along, and they got the Israelis to, to go along with them. And Eisenhower stepped in and put his foot down in 1956, and he said, if you don't get the hell out, we're going to put sanctions on you. And the Brits knew Eisenhower was serious, and they got out. They ended that war. And by the way, v, the one other thing about that 56 period. And that's when, that's when England had their Suez moment. That's right. But that's also Eisenhower was looking to what was happening in Hungary. And he figured we can't be fighting in, in Egypt and dealing with the Hungary situation, the possible Soviet invasion of Hungary at the same time. The Brits didn't care. The, the, the Brits had no loyalty to anyone but their own interests, as they always do. Done. Now, one thing I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. I was just reading the other day Gary Gensler's comments on the regulation of Bitcoin, mm. and you know, it's yeah. it's this was supposedly going to be in one of the infrastructure bills. I'm not sure what that has to do with uh, uh, Bitcoin, except that they're trying to use it as a tax to get tax revenue. Right. But how serious do you think Gensler is about figuring out a way to bring in a regulated Bitcoin market? Doesn't yeah. that sort of go against the whole idea of what uh, these uh, digital currencies are? Yeah, one thousand percent. Now I've said this once before, Harley. I said uh, one of the things I've said from from the onset of uh, cryptographic currencies since twenty twelve and twenty thirteen is that the blockchain technology. The beauty of the blockchain technology, and it's not just a mere ledger, folks. It's something much, much more advanced than that. When people just call it a ledger, uh, you're really watering down and oversimplifying something that is so technologically advanced that solves a major human problem when it comes to transactional records. The blockchain technology is the most important advent since the invention of fire. And if it's properly applied, it can revolutionize human civilization and development. Now, Bitcoin... Is a, and, and the beauty of, of, of blockchain is that it is a trustless system. So you don't need to trust that it, it would work. It just does. It's a trustless system. It is, a, it is a, uh, an integrity-generating machine. It's an honest and integrity-generating machine, something that is completely anathema to Wall Street and the city of London. They don't want that. They don't want Bitcoin. They don't want cryptos. They know they can ban. They cannot ban it, right? Because nobody controls the blockchain. And whether you're a, if you're a billionaire or you're a proper, the blockchain treats you the same. It's not like going to your local bank. If you have like ten dollars in your bank account, they're going to treat you one way versus somebody who has ten million in their bank account. The blockchain doesn't do that. It's not capricious. It is no respecter of persons. Okay, it's no respecter of markets. And Wall Street understands that they can't control it, they can't kill it, they can't stop it. So what do they do? They do the only thing that they are possibly able to do, 
And in 2016 through 2018, I sent out the warnings that in institutions have been buying uh, uh, cryptographic currencies at an alarming rate, especially Bitcoin, because they understand that most of the, bit, the, the crypto pricings are pegged to Bitcoin. So if they control the, the supply of Bitcoin, they can go ahead and control the, the value of Bitcoin. So institutions started going in and they started buying out massive amounts. I mean, I've been privy to deals where $415 million were done on, on, on you know, crypto exchanges, uh, you know, deals being done. Others for billions of dollars. You know, um, one of my clients that I work with, uh, they're the largest liquidity provider in the world for cryptographic currencies. They deal with 174 institutions on 45 countries. They're massive. They're the ones who supply Coinbase. They're the ones who supply Kraken, Gemini, Huobi. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They supply Binance, okay? Mm. And uh, they are huge. So, so I'm in, I'm, I have a very strong relationship with them. They're uh, amazing. Like, I have lunch with these guys. I talk with these guys. I work on projects with these guys. And so I'm very intimately, you know, connected to this. Now, what they tell me and what they've let, let me know in terms of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes is this. 97% of the wallets today, Harley, are controlled by uh, 97% of the Bitcoin supply today is controlled by less than 3% of the wallets. Okay. Mm -hmm. And who are these wallets? These are large Western institutional banks who, for the many, many years, telling you not to buy Bitcoin, cryptographic currencies are a risk, this, that, and the other. And they're, but they're buying it out by the truckloads. And I'll tell you why they're buying it out for the truckloads. This is going to be their next fictional market that they're going to sell you. And what I mean by that is this, okay? The banks do not want you to have Bitcoin. They don't want you to have uh, Ether, you know, Ethereum or Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash or Monero or anything like that. They don't want you having any of that. But they want to be able to sell you a facsimile of it. Case in point, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey's company, Square, right? They also own the Cash App. You're able to buy Bitcoin through their application. But you can never get the Bitcoin out of the application and put it into your own wallet. That's what Wall Street wants to do. That's what the city of London wants to do. They want to sell you. Don't, no, don't, don't buy Bitcoin. It's too volatile. Buy our ETF. And let me explain to you how they manipulate the Bitcoin price. They do what's called a technique Harley called wash trading. Okay. So you have one entity. Let's just say it's Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs will control 20 different wallets. 20 wallets on one side of an exchange, 20 wallets on another side of the exchange. And it could be on multiple exchanges. Then they'll move the crypto from one wallet that they control to another wallet they control, affecting the price of the move. And that creates market market upheaval, market panic, market sell-offs, and market buys. So it gets sure. the weak to dump their, 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 their Bitcoin while the strong picks it up. It's called wash trading. That's what all these guys are doing. Okay. Now, they want the price to go to 100000 Why? Because Bitcoin is going to be the next derivatized financial instrument. Okay, this is yeah. going to be the next thing that they're going to be selling to everyone. Why? Because the West has no gold. Notice this. And, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, China is shutting down their Bitcoin miners and a lot of Bitcoin miners, one of which is Canaan, who I know intimately. Canaan makes the best mining rigs on planet Earth. They are 20 percent more efficient than any of the mining uh, uh, rigs out there. And Canaan is looking for places in Texas to come. Right. And people are like, well, why is China shutting down on Bitcoin miners? Because simple, the multipolar world understands that the many of the that the the creation of Bitcoin at best, at best, is very clouded and very iffy. At worst, it is a U.S. Intel operation um, that that started off and that, that is one of those NSA CIA tools that went out into the wild 
and then got a life of its own. These things do happen, okay? Now, the Chinese have, have shut down the thing. Why? Because the multipolar world has thrown their weight behind real. What is real? Gold. Precious metals. Why? Because that is linked to actual physical assets and physical production. The West has gone to digital assets. What does that mean? So they can facsimilize, financialize, and derivatize these digital assets and then sell it to the public in the next bubble. Why is there the next bubble? Every single bank that I deal with in the crypto space are all yield-starved banks. There was a, a crypto project that was happening in Puerto Rico that I was privy to. One of the, there were this was the 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 uh, the founder of Noble Bank that was in Manhattan that went under. Okay, the bank's uh, CEO is a, is 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 a good friend uh, and and a next door neighbor to one of my buddies in, in you know who lives in in in, uh, in, in Manhattan, and they were going to start a a bank in Puerto Rico, crypto bank, Puerto Rico, great jurisdiction, right? And who wants to come on board? Every single. U.S. bank, every single Canadian bank is chopping at the bit. Why? Because they are yield starved. The Western financial institutions are so broken, are so devoid, are so illiquid and insolvent and, 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 and that they're looking to crypto as the next boondongle to sell you on fictitious pipe dreams. They so don't v, want let, me, let me just – this, this is really interesting what you're covering, but what you're talking about then is that – this is how the so-called digitalized currencies would fit in with the uh, global central bank uh, policy of the Great Reset, mm -hmm. so that it wouldn't be available for investment in, in real physical product, but would be can, maintained as a speculative bubble for the people who have the 97% of the right. uh, currency. Right. Exactly correct. And watch this, Harley. We're in the fire economy, right? Finance insurance, real estate, right? Yeah. And we have no industry. We have no production. We have no gold. There's no gold in Fort Knox, folks. Ding, ding, rock, you know, knock, knock, hello, anybody there. We have no gold in Fort Knox. Now watch this. In the fire economy, how do you feed the fire? You need more what? Market participation. Harley, the day is coming when you're going to go to your supermarket checkout and there's going to be a gift card from Goldman Sachs. Buy your sure. Apple shares here. Everybody's going to start getting to micro shares and cryptographic currencies in various ETFs and various indexes that are going to be sold to the public will be offered at the supermarket aisle on your phone app. I mean, you name it. Why they want this. They want to create the speculation and the illusion of production and economic activity when there isn't none. Well, and also the illusion that maybe you'll get lucky and strike it rich. Exactly correct. Exactly. It, we are the West has gone. They are literally gone off the rails. I, 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 I've, the only way to recover from this, there has to be a massive purge. It, it, the whole system needs to get purged, Harley. Well, you know, this just brings up that tomorrow at 9 a.m., uh, the LaRouche Legacy Foundation is sponsoring an event on the 50 years since the August 15th, 1971 transformation of the economy. Yeah. from a post-World War II productive economy into a speculative Ponzi scheme casino economy. Correct. Now, LaRouche had forecast this before it happened. Uh, he consistently warned where it was going, that it was moving toward a Shakti and austerity policy. And I, I would urge all your, your viewers to go to the, I think it's on the SchillerInstitute.com website. It's, uh, CJ has it up on the screen, or LaRouche Legacy Foundation but starting at 9 a.m., I'll be speaking in the afternoon panel on the 
myth of John Conley as one of the key people in setting up the August 15th event. Mm -hmm. As Conley told me when I cornered him at an auction selling off his worldly goods because he was bankrupt, he said, well, Schultz did it, not me. Hmm. So uh, I'll be doing a presentation, but I think people will find it fascinating. You know, maybe what, what you just laid out is really interesting. And uh, I, I think people should pay attention to what you're saying, because this is what I gathered from looking at what Gensler was talking about, that they're trying to figure out how to have this thing under some kind of regulation. And Correct. it's not not government regulation. It's the regulation of the bankers because they're the ones who control the government right now. Right. Right. One of the groups that, uh, that my, uh, that my client, the largest liquidity provider in the world has dealt with is Grayscale. Right. And people don't know, if if people don't know who Grayscale is, I recommend everybody do some homework. If you look up Grayscale, Grayscale has been buying cryptos, especially Bitcoin at premium prices. My clients have sold uh, uh, Grayscale hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin, hundreds of thousands, multiple billions of dollars worth of of crypto. Because these guys, they, you know, my clientele, they mine it, they they have a dark pool. And that dark pool is institutional grade virgin coins that are freshly mined that haven't even been synced to the blockchain. That's how fresh and virgin these coins are. So Grayscale will buy it at at five, seven, eight percent, right? Because they're not into uh, exchange crypto. Like they won't buy crypto that has. Like they won't, if a Bitcoin has multiple transactions on it, they're not interested in that. If they can get Bitcoin with, with, with zero or low transactions, less than five, they'll pay a premium for it because they understand that's worth more, right? It's more valuable to them because the last thing they want is to, is to touch a Bitcoin that's been through, you know, if they do some chain analysis on it, they'll find out that it has some crim, criminal elements, maybe 10, 20, 30 yards down, you know, 30 uh, blocks away. Uh, you know, 30 transactions away, there's some criminal who happened to touch it. They don't want to deal with that. So Grayscale is a major player. Now, who is Grayscale? It's Goldman. It's JPM. It's a group called DCG Group. And DCG, Harley, owns all the major crypto exchanges here in the United States. They own all the major wallets. They own major services. They are the octopus. And nobody knows about them. I'm the only one out there saying DCG Group, DCG Group, look at the digital currency group. And if you look at the people that are involved in DCG, it is a revolving door between DCG, Goldman, Grayscale, JP Morgan, and a few others. It is a hydra, and hydra, and they want to corner this market. Why? Because this is the next speculative bubble. And this, of course, the the other aspect of it is the the Green New Deal, which provides a certain amount of liquidity from central banks from uh, yeah. uh, equity funds and so on as a way of carrying them through to the point where they have the next to the, the next phase. Yeah. But we're looking at a 50 year transformation now from 1971 to 2021. And it's gotten worse for the real economy every single year. And if we're not able to do something about this, uh, we probably won't continue to exist as a species. Correct. And, 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 and uh, go, go back up, CJ. Go back up. Look who the board of uh, board advisor is. Go down. Bam. Who's that? Larry Summers. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Summers. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. Now you know who you're dealing with. DCG Group. There you go. Huh. And oh oh, and who else is also with uh, uh, an advisor? I don't think he's listed. Is is my favorite supervillain? My favorite supervillain, 
Blythe Masters. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can't make you can't make this up, Harley. You can't make this has been a good education for me. You see, uh, V. It's yeah, really Harley. Here's the deal, right? And most most people don't realize it. I'm the only guy out there, Harley. I'm not. I'm not tooting my own horn here. I am the only one out there that works on an institutional level with cryptos and with gold. I know what's happening in both markets. 99.99% of the guys who talk about it do not. They're either traders or they read industry publications or they work for some small outfit that nobody's heard of. The gold guys that I deal with, they're you know based in Singapore and Hong Kong. They're one of the largest logistics companies on the planet. They, they have vaulting facilities in, I think, over 15 different countries across the world, uh, in Geneva, in Singapore. I mean, you name it, okay? Uh, they have the largest private gold vault. They own the largest private gold vault in the world in the Singapore free trade zone. So when we hear, when I hear with guys, I'm like, who are you vaulting with? They're like, yeah, we vault with Brinks in Singapore. I'm like, Brinks rents space from us. <laughs> and they're like, and then when guys buy gold in the U.S., where are you where, where are you getting your gold from? I'm getting it from uh, blah 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 bullion.com. Well, they buy from Dylan Gage in Texas. Dylan Gage buys from us. That's how up the stream we are. So when I so when I because I see all the stuff happening in the back, I talk to these guys. I talk to the vice presidents, the CEOs of these of these organizations, and I'm on I'm I'm on speed dial with these guys. You know, when they're in the U.S., we have lunch together, we have dinner together. And so that's how I'm able to break this down because I see it. I'm like, these people don't get it. This is the final play by the bankers. China, look, the U.S. and the Western, you know, chokehold that they had on gold and silver prices is about to break. Okay, it's about to break. And because London, the London Bullion Market Association, the LBMA is being drained of physical gold. The LBMA members, which are the Western banks, are being drained of physical gold. And for the first time in the COMEX, Harley, we're having not just when, when there's, a, when, when there's a, a, um, a, a, a trade going through, right? Now they're asking for trade settlement. They want the settlement in physical. It's never happened before. Huh. Never happened before. It's wow. interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the only thing I can say is we'd better get up to speed on this stuff because the other side is is way ahead of us in terms of their planning. Yep. But their plans will end up making a rubble heap of the planet. And yeah. it's really up to the people right now to make a decision to not allow this criminal cabal to move into the next phase. Correct. Exactly right. Exactly right. Harley, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. All right. And, and remember, tomorrow morning, Saturday, the 14th of August, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So are you finally willing to learn economics? Folks, I highly recommend you go there. You register. The links will be in the description box. Get on there. You have to know the game. You have to know the economics. Lyndon LaRouche is a brain trust when it comes to that, an absolute brain trust. So make sure you go there and you go check it out. And I think CJ told me that you may be live streaming it on, on Rogue. So that's the other way yeah. people can get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. All right, folks. And I'll talk to you again next week. You got it. Harley, thank you for so much for coming on, folks. Again, subscribe, like, comment, and share. Make sure you tune in tomorrow's broadcast, 9 a.m., with the economic seminar from LaRouche 
uh, institute.com, uh, LaRoucheInstitute.com. And with that being said, CJ, take it away.